The Lord be with you and welcome again to this virtual room where the Holy Spirit does his wonders. Um, and before I start, let me tell you what I told you last week, that I am on a rare trip outside of the ranch, and that's August the 10th, which is Friday, and then 11th and 12th, I'll be in Albuquerque, New Mexico, at New Life City Church, and we begin on Friday night at 6 o'clock, and then Saturday morning at 10 Saturday evening at 6, and their Sunday morning worship at 10, and it will follow a theme. There'll be a number uh, of hours. I'll be speaking two times Friday night, two times Saturday morning, and so on. And um, if you can come, if you need any further directions, go to their website, or you can call the church at area code 505 323 3900. It would just be fantastic to see you. And I know that some are planning to even come from out of state to be there. So I trust we shall meet. Okay, I want to go back to the text that we were looking at last week. And I trust that what I said last week has um, at least created a hunger inside of you. Uh, for a realization, a knowing, a seeing of this wonderful Jesus, this marvelous, he who is the ultimate marvel. And, and so the text um, is in chapter 9 of the book of the prophet Isaiah. And in verse 6, Isaiah says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and then he goes on, his name will be called Wonderful. But I want to pick up from there, and there is um, a text that uh, it's in chapter 8 of Isaiah, and in verse 18, and he's speaking of himself. Isaiah speaks of himself, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders. Notice that. He says, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and for wonders. But it's interesting, over in the book of Hebrews and chapter 2, where it's one of the most amazing, uh, see I use the word, um, chapters. <clears throat> for in there, having declared that Jesus is God from God in chapter 1, he in chapter 2 is now showing that this God became flesh, joined himself to us, and joined us into him. And what do you know, but he quotes that verse from Isaiah. That verse I just read, Behold I and the children, he quotes that to show that he Jesus and you, the children, are absolutely one and for signs and wonders. And so he says, and I'm not going to go into this verse, but in verse 11 of Hebrews 2, for both, that's the big word, for both he who sanctifies or separates us out from to God, 
he being Jesus, and those who are sanctified, that is, those who are brought out, are all from one Father, for which reason is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, and then in verse 13, he quotes from Isaiah, Behold, I am the children whom God has given me for signs and for wonders. And so he is saying, and put this on hold for a few minutes anyway, this is salvation. This is the gospel. And sometimes I, I, I feel I have to shout it, underline it in red, write it in purple, because today's believers have a sense that the gospel is all about the by and by, hereafter, uh, all about heaven, damnation, judgment, escape, and so on. Whereas the burden of all of Scripture is in that verse, and certainly in Hebrews 2, that we, this is the gospel, we are joined to Jesus so that he, Jesus, who is the one who got a hold of us and brought us to the Father, and we who have been brought he says, are all of one Father, that, that we are together as one, or as Paul said elsewhere in Romans, that we are heirs of God, joint heirs, or together heirs with Jesus Christ. This is the gospel, and it's all about now. And we'll, when the second coming and the new heaven and the new earth that takes us into something that we can hardly put words to because if this is now what will the consummation be like okay hold these verses in mind jesus the child shall be born the son will be given and his name shall be called wonderful and i and the children we together with him are for signs and for wonders. Okay, I've often over the years given the definition of the word gospel as it was understood in the days when they translated the Bible into English back in, uh, you know, 16, uh, 16 well, early 16. And um, the, the word gospel then was a common word. I've called it peasant language. And in a dictionary from that era, gospel is defined as the good, glad, merry news that makes a man fairly leap for joy. And there you have uh, what I'm trying to say. It's good news, but it's good news that sets the heart singing and makes a man leap for joy. That's what the word means in the dictionary from that day. Um, it's good news of a wonder. It's a good news of a marvel. It's a good news that causes you to be astonished, speechless, needing eyes bigger than you have to take it all in. It's the message, the good news, gospel is the message that, that is outside of all human limitations. When, when we truly understand what the gospel is saying, we, we have to say that it cannot be. It's impossible. It's beyond our ability to arrive there. But it's the good news that God has already put us there. 
It's the good news, I say, outside of all human boundaries. It's outside of all human possibles. It's outside of human logic for beginning with the God who loves us where we are just as we are and embraces us by his Holy Spirit. Well, that doesn't make any logic. It doesn't make any logic to to morality, let alone to those who pursue their morality into religion. God does not embrace, God does not fling his arms around people who do not deserve it. Oh yes he does, that's the good news. That's the good news that we confront every person with, that you are the beloved of God, that he holds you to himself and says, for you my son came, for you he died, and in resurrection he has brought you into my arms. This, I say, is is beyond human logic. This is news that it defies all scientific measuring. It goes beyond all psychological analysis. Sit back and realize if you've really taken in the good news that we call the gospel, it means that sense of awe and wonder, it, it, it produces the wow. Sometimes it might produce, you've got to be kidding. It, it's, it's beyond us. I mean, listen to its glorious simplicity through this idea, understanding that is so totally biblical, that this is the wonder when God acts within creation according to his heart of love. It is a wonder. And I've said it already. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. The Father sends the Son and sends him to become flesh. If there's no wonder in your life as a believer, then just stay there for a while. Pitch your tent there. The God, God, very God, true God, the, the God whose voice we hear in Genesis 1, the Creator, became flesh, this stuff, and he became flesh authentically like us. He became a human being, and he totally became a human being. God entered into the limitations of a human mind and human emotions. God had a human body with human organs. He became flesh. And Isaiah said it there in chapter 9, but I am sure Isaiah never understood what he was really saying. I, I, I emphasized it as I read it. I don't know if you caught it. He said, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Do, do, you, do you see there's a difference there? Unto us a child is born. For when God became flesh, he was born born of the Virgin Mary, but he came into this world through the birth canal. He was born, and said, Isaiah, a child is born to us. He has a birthday. He came into the world. 
But at the same time, said Isaiah, unto us a son is given. For the Son of God, God from God, could not be born. He's the unbegun God. And therefore, in the birth of the child, that is, in the taking of the flesh and developing that flesh in a human womb, and then being born, that's the child. That's his humanity. And yet in that child, there is the Son of God who can never be born, but he is given by the Father. He is the gift of God. Oh, yes. And how and where it happened, the how, born of the Virgin. But where? And, and our Christmas um, creches make it look so, well, I, we'd almost, all of us like to be born there, you know, beautiful little uh, barns with, with fresh hay and docile animals and a, a beautiful manger. I mean, it, it looks jolly good to me. But the fact is, if you go into the days in which Jesus was born, he, he was born in what we would really call a truck stop. It was the parking lot of a truck stop because they had no trucks. They had camels and donkeys uh, and they would all pull in for the night. And these these were the troughs out of which the camels and the donkeys were, would eat. And because of, if you had a little bit more and desired privacy, then you would uh, have a cave of sorts, a sort of hollowed out closet really from the rock and a ragged curtain in front and that would be your motel room and keep the eyes of all the other truckers who were sleeping by their animals off you. God became flesh and was born in the parking lot of an overcrowded village. That's a wonder if you wanted to stay there. A wonder, a marvel that God in his birth identified essentially with, with those who were the homeless he identified with the lowest end of society. Jesus came. He is the wonder. He is the marvel. He is. You remember what, how we defined it last week? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Well, I think he's just blown our minds out of the word here. He is the wonder of God. And he is revealed within our humanity. That is this God who goes beyond all definitions. The God who in his love and the multifaceted expressions of his love go beyond all boundaries that we can ever think, imagine, dream. That wonder is revealed in this human person who is the son of God the wonder of God walks among us walks among us as a very ordinary human being and I want you to understand that uh, very ordinary when I say wonder wonder is not in bright lights dancing all over him uh, he was so ordinary that when he declares himself to be in fact the messiah 
that those who were his neighbors said, Who does he think he is? We know him. He's just the carpenter of Nazareth. The people who lived with him for 30 years could not accept that this was the Messiah. Wonder? I mean, let it sink in. Marvel that God became so one of us. It was in his words. It was in his actions it was in what he did it was the people he reached out to that we begin to see and we begin to have within our humanity the definition of our wonderful God and his message was that we you and I let me say it again I'll say it again and again his message, the reason that he's here, is to bring us into the wonder who is the heart of the Father, to take us into that wonder, to become our abiding place, our dwelling place, or as he said, that where I am, there you might be also. And when he walked in those last three years and revealed the wonder the first thing that people saw were the healings that there was a wonder have you noticed that these miracles of Jesus they are called and you've said the word I'm sure many times signs and wonders so have you thought what you were saying that the acts of Jesus were expressions of this wonderful God. It, the, it revealed the, the, the healings and, and the breaking of the authority of Satan in people's lives. They, they were flashy, shall I say, facets of the wonderful love of God. And... and to some people today it is still a wonder to even think about it uh, at a level maybe where they shouldn't be because they wonder at it because they determine God doesn't heal that he's not interested in our physical condition that in fact he sends sickness no Jesus who is God in our humanity to tell us what God is like blew it away with Signs. Signs? What are they? Uh, down, down there in San Antonio, there's a sign that says, you know, go up this road and you'll come to Bandera. It's a sign. It points in a certain direction. And so what Jesus did, they were signs that pointed to the heart of God. He is love. He loves you where you are. He loves you in your sickness. He loves you in the disease that has wrecked your life. He loves you in your bondage to Satan. He, he loves you as you look in the food cupboard and the clothes closet. He loves you and wills to bless you. And that's a wonder. The sign points away to God, but as does so reveals that God is a wonder, a marvel. But these healings, though they are of such supreme importance and they fill the Gospels, but they are, shall I say, the outer bands of the wonder that he is. Living here in Texas, down by the Gulf Coast, we are used to that expression. I don't know if you are. The outer bands, 
When a hurricane comes in, long before it actually comes, we get the outer bands. That is, we begin to get uh, a lot of rain and the winds pick up. The hurricane isn't here yet by a long shot, but we're getting the outer bands of it. Well, the outer bands, the, the, the very first indication of the love of God is touching our bodies. It, it, it touches us where we're hurting, touches us uh, in, in our material, physical life. He, he revealed, do you remember when he healed the sick, it says he was moved with compassion. Didn't You see, he didn't just heal them, as I said last week. Nothing that he did was sort of a, a religious trick to, to get attention. Why did Jesus heal people? Some of my theologian friends say he did it to prove he was the Son of God. Well, no, he didn't. Um, because he was not here to prove he was the Son of God. He was here as man, joined to our humanity, doing all that he did through the Holy Spirit's power. So that's not so. No, and that would be, wouldn't that be cold? I'll just do this to prove who I No, no, no. It says, why did Jesus heal the sick? Why did Jesus heal the sick? It says every time he was moved with compassion. And you know that word compassion is a very strong word. It means when your very organs are tied in knots, there's a certain anger to compassion. An anger that this person is in the condition they're in and something within says, no, I love this person. And, and I will not let them stay this way. It, it, compassion is that which you have for your children, that you have for your loved ones. And betimes it goes out even to strangers. But compassion, it's a, your very guts have been squeezed with love. And love takes on a holy, beautiful anger. No, they will not continue in this way. And so Jesus healed and revealed that God the Father and he now the Son, the perfect expression of the Father, is compassion. He doesn't love us in a vague, distant, nice sort of way. But if I dare say it, the guts of God are, are squeezed, reaching out to us. Let it be a wonder what he did with people left the entire populace amazed that word again astounded because he welcomed he accepted and the the major word is tax gatherer but then they say and sinners which meant every other person that were the rejects of moral society the tax collectors uh, Jewish people who had betrayed their own people sold themselves over to the oppressing Romans and, and now came to their own people to extract exorbitant taxes and of course add a bit for themselves the richest people in town much like you could say the mob they, they were the mafia they, they had a network between themselves and they're, they're going to get every penny and along with them those that just moral people just would never be seen with and Jesus welcomed them 
welcomed them, had one of his twelve apostles as an ex-tax collector, and he sat down with them to eat, which meant that he was standing with them in solidarity, saying, your pain is my pain, and your my joy is your joy. And, and to these people, he told the unbelievable story that we've long since lost its wonder, but the story of the prodigal son, of a father running and flinging his arms around his boy who has squandered a fortune and now comes home in rags and smelling like a pig. And he kissed him and kissed him and kissed him and kissed him. Your margin says kissed him all over. Jesus said, that's what God is like. What, what do you say to that? No, I, I know God loves us, but not them. God loves us, but he could not love that person. And Jesus said, I sit down in solidarity with the persons of the outcasts of society to let all society know there's no limit to Father's love, which is now being explained and shown and it was a wonder, it was a wonder that horrified in this case. It astounded the people, but they weren't too pleased with it. He turns water into wine, a, a, a wonder. It is a wonder if you think about it. But, but why did he do that? Another trick? No, you see, no tricks. Why did he do it? Because a young couple, anonymous, we don't even know who they are, a peasant couple, probably bordering on the illiterate up there in the mountains, Cana, little crossroads in the mountains, and they've run out of wine. And in that day, and especially up there with the mountain folk, the superstition was that that was a curse that would be with them for life if they ran out of wine at the wedding. And just out of compassion for an unknown couple, he works the wonder. He feeds the multitudes with a few pieces of bread and fish. Isn't it time we returned to the Gospels like little children and began to wonder at this God who is revealed in Jesus? But now we come using if the outer bands of the love of God is what I've just said. Now the, the actual, the heart of the love of God that awaited the cross when and the whole New Testament bears witness to this, that he who is God, he who not only created us, but upholds us in this micro moment by the word of his power, Jesus, and it's said of him that he is the one in whom all the atoms consist or hold together, this one who, though he be one of us, can indeed take the entire creation for he is the word by which it came into being take it to himself and he takes our place enters into our absolute condition of death and darkness and pain and grief and sorrow he takes our sin and makes it his own. It becomes our curse that we have written for ourselves. And he 
by his own volition of love enters into death and when he entered into death you entered into that death with him I entered in and in that death it comes under the authority of he who had the keys of death that is the devil and right from the very belly of death and Satan's domain he threw it off he broke the chains that he had taken to himself your chains my chains and the father called him forth out of death and he rose from the dead and death was dead Satan lost his authority over you and me us the cosmos and Jesus said that in words they understood in those days I now have the keys of death and the grave and he announced I am he who lives and then he says the greatest words in the New Testament I was dead I was dead did you hear it I am he who lives I was dead and behold that's a marvel word that's a word belonging to wondering behold look do you see it he says I was dead and behold I am alive to the ages of ages did you hear it he said death has been defeated and everything to do with death defeated I now hold the keys of death and the grave Satan doesn't hold it anymore and if he came out of the tomb we came out too that's the gospel Jesus rose from the dead Jesus was born again out of death and so were we the sin, the guilt, the shame that Jesus became and carried into death, he leaves behind in resurrection. And so was your sin, and so was your guilt and shame left behind. Jesus, and we in him, came out of the tomb. And he then gives to us in his ascension the same Holy Spirit that came to dwell in and upon his humanness he now shares that spirit with us did you hear me the same Holy Spirit that dwelt and dwells in and upon Jesus he now extends that spirit to us and that Holy Spirit joins us into Jesus as a now living reality that Holy Spirit who is now upon Jesus and now in us means that that Spirit is the very presence of Jesus in us and with us this is Gospel 101 when the Holy Spirit came that first time from the ascended Jesus to link believers join believers one with that ascended Jesus it was a place of wonder don't re you see I haven't said anything you don't know yet 
and yet do you realize the wonder that is passing it's like sand going through my fingers and it's wonder wonder it's scintillating it's dancing we've read it until we're bored with it we'd never say that but we've read it until we don't even hear it anymore listen just one more time when the holy spirit came when you and i this community of believers came into being suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting the holy spirit filled the physical place where they were and there appeared to them tongues of fire descripted themselves so the fire came at least it looked like fire notice that it, it appeared to them uh, tongues of fire uh, and and then it was like a prairie fire it went throughout until came upon each one of them and then each one of them were filled with this wind who was the presence the shall I say energizing presence personal power presence of the Holy Spirit God the Holy Spirit and, and, and like the fire of his love he came inside of them they were all filled with the Holy Spirit they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance if you can read that and yawn and go to bed I don't know we're, we're talking about a wonder and you say this this is the community this is the company that you and I have been born again into it's this that we were baptized into do, do you realize that the Holy Spirit fills the place where you live the Holy Spirit fills you and the fire of God's love fills you this is the good news I'm announcing it it is the news of what God in Jesus Christ now through his spirit has accomplished now of course there were Jews living in Jerusalem devout men from every nation under heaven and when this sound occurred the multitude came together and listen and were bewildered now that word I mentioned it last week the word bewildered means to confound to be utterly perplexed it means person standing open mouth in amazement in consternation they don't know what to do why are they bewildered because they were each one hearing them speak in his own language they were amazed that's another word I mentioned last week it means to remove out of a place or state to be out of one's mind beside oneself to be transported beyond oneself with astonishment to be amazed to be astounded yeah it's these words you see it's what we were talking about the wonder they're looking they're seeing human beings filled with the Holy Spirit and there's demonstration there's a result to be seen and they're beside themselves do you remember I put it there stand outside yourself and you're no longer connecting with your own brain you don't know what's going on they were amazed and another word and they marveled we mentioned that word last week it means to wonder to marvel to be struck with astonishment yeah the church and sometimes some people give the church the word church they give it a very 
sort of bad name listen the church is that company of people in whom the Holy Spirit now dwells and has been dwelling since Acts chapter 2 to wonder and when the world comes into contact with the church this company of people indwelt by the Holy Spirit and the fire of God's love they are perplexed they're amazed they're confounded sometimes they stand outside of themselves they're astonished they wonder ah. let me give you another translation of Acts chapter 2 it's the Wuss translation and it says now when this sound was heard the multitude came together and was at a loss to understand this and they were astounded to the point of being beside themselves and went to wondering and they were all astounded to the point of being beside themselves and were wholly at a loss what to think when the world sees persons who have understood the gospel have believed the gospel and have begun to walk in the Holy Spirit's fullness united with Jesus Christ which is the gospel in action they are riveted with astonishment now you, you know most of the world today can pass by the church or a Christian or group of Christians and, and um, they have nothing to say and if they have something to say it, it's to uh, marginalize these people they, 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 church it's a laughing stock in some places because why the church has forgotten what it is to wonder and therefore there is no wonder in their lives and the world is no longer astounded he Jesus sent us into the world come on this is the gospel he said as the father has sent me so send I you speaking to you and I and what what where did he send what to do he says that the works I do you may do also he sent us into the world to do his work that we in the epistles we are called none less than the body of Christ hear it don't let it pass through your brain hear it that's a wonder the body of Christ that Jesus the ascended Lord in heaven now counts you your body as his body expression here upon earth with the same Holy Spirit upon you as dwells upon him and dwelt upon him in the gospel this is the gospel this is who you are and to top that all off shall I say the grand finale of wonder the staggering command he said that we should love one another as he has loved us huh. that, that's the one command that most believers have little knowledge of or little thought of 
we, we put in a hundred other trivial nonsensical rules but the one thing I mean we're not here even with the Ten Commandments the one command that now in Jesus sums up this wonder that God has placed in the earth you and I in him the wonder the one thing is that by this shall all men all the world they will know that you are my disciples I am giving to the world the right to see if you have the mark among you of being my disciples what is that mark that you love one another that, that that's I mean still the outer bands of his love are wonders and signs and, and when we lay hands on the sick and we see them recover that's a wonder that we never get over but the heart of the matter right there the hurricane of love himself is that He's, he's achieved his end and that is that you and I love one another as he has loved us look when we begin to wake up in our spirit when we stretch and yawn and fall out of the bed of our um, what sometimes it's a religious bed where we've been sleeping away but we, we wake up and we see the wonder of who Jesus is and the wonder uh, of what he came to do there's a time when all we can do is gaze and thank him and let that wonder roll over us but sooner rather than later wonder the way I put it last week what was that wonder is an energy field a personal it's a person energy field that draws us into him and so we gaze at the wonder but the point is that we become one with the wonder we become those children that are for signs and wonders that we filled with the spirit going about our business so ordinary that people mistake us for just ordinary people as they did Jesus just the carpenter but we're filled with the Holy Spirit we are the presence of the Lord Jesus we are individual members of his body in the world and we live in that wonder we wake up in that wonder we pray from that wonder expecting wonders that is expecting the impossible expecting we're, we're praying to the one who said nothing is too hard nothing too difficult for him we expect him to hear and to answer us and whenever we look in the mirror we say behold what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God that's you and I that's you and I look I mean please that I say it again look in the mirror inform yourself you yes you I am talking to you have been forgiven which in more focused 
uh, biblical language, you have been released from all your sins. See, I, I, I know you've been raised in an atmosphere polluted, sometimes rotten and stinking, that it, it can only tell you how bad you are. See, we, we, we've seen in the first beginnings of this gospel being let loose in the hearts of men, it caused astonishment. And, and people were beside themselves with joy and delight, didn't know what to do or say. They were so amazed. Today, almost any church I go into on a Sunday, it ends with people weeping, bawling, whining at the front because they're no good, they're bad sinners, and they've got to try harder, and oh, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. What a difference. What on earth has happened to us? Yes, we should all be at the front, dancing, leaping for joy, and celebrating. I have been totally released, washed, cleansed from sin. That's you. You are an heir of God. You have fallen heir. You have received the gift of the riches of his glory, which covers the entirety of human existence. And not just so, but a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That means whatever the Father has given to Jesus, he's given to you, present tense, now. You are an adopted child into the Holy Trinity family to sit down at the kitchen table with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit fills you now. You share your life, your very body, your mind with the Holy Spirit. And He is working in you to will and to do of the good pleasure of the Father. And He is conforming you, shaping you, to the image of the elder brother of the family, Lord Jesus Christ. To you has been given the joy of the Lord. To you has been given the peace of God that passes all human understanding. And you are part of that community of people that have received this. The co community. You're an organic part of that community, for it is the very body of Christ. Where love to one another is the oxygen that we breathe. Where signs and wonders of love in action, in spirit and mind, and emotions, and in the physical body are seen. So much so, in Philippians chapter 1, Paul said that he was moved with compassion toward the people in Philippi. But this is how he said it, that he was moved with the compassion of Jesus Christ. Meaning that the compassion that Jesus felt is now being felt and known in Paul. Or as he said as bluntly as he ever could, I live yet no longer I. It is Christ who lives in me. Or again, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He could never think of just Paul. Always it was Christ in Paul, Paul in Christ. 
for me to live is Christ. Do you marvel at that? Because it's you. Stay in front of that mirror until you can say this as the truth of God concerning you. And then you see we go out into the world and live our normal lives and do our jobs, I trust, better than people who don't know the Lord. Uh, and we don't have to stuff tracks and mug people with they've got to get saved and get out of hell. No, you just do your job with that invisible aura of the presence of God within you and the way you do things and the way you forgive people and your kindness and your gentleness and your love. It says the world, they, the people out there, they shall see your good works. These work, good works, uh, they don't bring us to God, but they are the result of our coming to him and our good works our God works of love it says they shall see those works of love and they will glorify that is they'll wonder and be amazed at your father they will look at you and say I'm looking at the very presence of God so here we are we you and I your prayer group those who meet together in your home to listen to this even, um, th those of you that gather together for study, those of you that go to a community of believers uh, to worship God, do you realize in, in your coming together you are a community of wonder and for persons to walk into that furnace of divine love and see the wonder of God changing people's lives and the beauty, the quiet, real beauty of the presence of God. They will say, surely God was in this place and I didn't know it. Um, we, you and I, have become the place of the manifest presence of God. Or to put it another way, we are the outposts of the new creation. Or to put it another way, we are the embassies of the ultimate real. We are, in our very person, signs and wonders, who are the presence of the wonder himself here among us on earth. Tragedy, isn't it? The church, and I say that word very broadly, the church has lost its sense of wonder. In some cases it forbids wonder lest we should upset the decorum of the place and let's face it there's very little sense you know sensibility of the presence of God the presence of God the wonder among us today in in the world there's hardly any sense of the presence of God left that they have completely blinded him out but in the church, I, there, there's a, an ache and a longing within me to walk among people and sense that presence of God that is now focused in this one place through this people called believers. But I, I find many believers live pretty much just like the world, well, bottom line. Um, I mean, they're in the rat race of, for the material 
they're angry, they're bored, they're frustrated, they're dis depressed as they search for the meaning and purpose of life in this wretched little material life. Or as Jesus said, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Many believers are still, they, they practice the presence of their own brokenness and their own pain, though it be 20 years old. Believers who are bored to tears with the politics of religion. Believers who are exhausted with church programs. You see, without the wonder, without the amazement, then a gathering of believers becomes a sort of club, a subculture, where we go for some sort of entertainment and fulfill a duty. Or as Paul said in Timothy, a form of godliness but denies the power of it. You see, without the Holy Spirit, let's get right bottom line, without the Holy Spirit, the wonder of God has become legend or even a myth. You know what I say? Something can be so long ago and so unlike what we know today that we even stop calling it real history and it's sort of legend, it's myth that once upon a time in a place far away because it could never happen today. No, many people read the New Testament like once upon a time in a place far away when people were astonished and wondered at the presence of God in ordinary people in their midst of the signs and the wonders that took place that pointed away to the resurrected ascended Jesus and the love of God streaming to us long time ago was it history? did it really happen? is it like the hobbits? a myth? You know, when Gideon, if you read in Judges, I think chapter 6, and, and, and Gideon spoke of what God had done. He says, we've heard, we've heard how God, he parted the Red Sea. I know it's part of our history. He gave us manna in the wilderness. and Yeah, I know. They walked around Jericho and the walls fell down. I know, it's part of our history. See, it, it was approaching, but that was in the book of Judges, which means all that wasn't that long before but it was becoming myth and as far as Gideon was concerned that God was absent today the priests do you remember Herod Herod received the wise men who said they came because a star a glory in the sky had beckoned them and they had come seeking the birth of the Messiah and Herod called in the priests and said to the priests, where, where is this Messiah business? Where, where is he supposed to be born? And, and they immediately pulled the scroll off the shelf and they knew exactly where to find it in the book of Micah. And they said, there in Bethlehem of Judea. That's where he'll be born. Good grief. Can you, can you imagine what's going on? They're in Jerusalem. Men have come traveling across the desert for nearly two years 
and they're seeing he's been born and the priest oh yes it's, it's here in scripture see read it here uh, and is that all uh, I'll, I'll get back to work are you do you see what I mean? You can read the scripture and totally miss it. Because Bethlehem was about five miles from where they were standing. And these priests, experts in the prophets, could say he will be born in Bethlehem. These men are saying he's now born. Okay, well, you go down the road here, turn left, and you'll see the road. No amazement. They could deliver information without wonder. It was being fulfilled under their nose five miles down the road and they had their business to do back at the temple. No wonder, no amazement, no astonishment. They missed it totally. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search the scripture. Boy, did they ever. They searched the scripture. They memorized whole books of the scripture. But he says, you search the scripture thinking that in those words you will find eternal life and you will not come to me. The one the scripture is speaking about. The wonder is standing six inches in front of your face and you've read about it. And now it's being fulfilled and you don't see it. You go back to your study. How do we capture this? wonder in a bored world among bored believers we repent you know what that means it means change of mind I think that's been happening to some of you in these two weeks we, we repent of our adult mind remember I said adult mind cannot wonder we're too proud only child minds can really wonder only a child can be delighted over a butterfly only a child can pick a daisy and dance for joy over it. So our little granddaughter, Julie, just she was up here yesterday and, and there were some weeds growing and, and she went over and picked the weeds. I mean, pretty purple weeds, but weeds. And she came over and was giving one to everybody. This was so fantastic. She wondered at a weed that was purple. Yeah, a little child can read the gospel and see its wonder our adult mind we're too proud humility the humility of the child is facing reality see humility humility isn't all that you know proud of being humble sort of whining voice sort of stuff no humility is facing reality the reality of who God is the reality of who we are because of who he is the reality of what he's done and is doing now in us and simply saying amen be it unto me according to your word that's the way it is and how do we recapture the wonder I think I've said it already the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit understand me this gospel this new creation that we are part of is in the prophets it said is the covenant of the spirit we the holy spirit is front and center in this gospel this covenant 
It is the Holy Spirit's presence that is the wonder. The Holy Spirit brings Jesus into our present moment. The Holy Spirit brings the heart of the Father and carries us into the heart of the Father. Or as we've quoted a thousand times, eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has the human mind been able to conceive what God has laid up for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes. Here is a man, he's in the temple, and religion is all around him. I mean, everybody there in the courts of the temple are there for some religious purpose. They're coming to pray. They are coming to offer sacrifice. They're coming to sing in the choir. They're coming to the orchestra. It's, it's one mass of people jostling, shoving, all on their religious business. And there stands a man, an old man. And the Spirit, says Luke, had urged him into the temple on that day. And he's there, and in the middle of all the jostling crowds, he's looking, waiting. The Spirit said to come here today. And then a young couple, a teenage girl, couldn't be more than 15, and she's holding a newborn baby, and beside her a slightly older man, but still a kid, in this crowd uh, and, and they're part of this being jostled and shoved and the Holy Spirit says that's it and old Simeon goes over to the Virgin Mary and Joseph and he takes the child to his Jesus and he says now let your servant depart in peace mine eyes have seen your salvation in the middle of all that was going on the Holy Spirit brought him to the one who is the child born and the son given whose name is wonderful. And in that moment, every part of the Old Testament came into glorious fulfillment and the old man said, I've seen it. That's it. There's nothing left on this earth for me to see. I've seen your salvation. See, without the Holy Spirit, they were just another couple in the crowd with a newborn baby, probably looked on the poor end of the scale. But the Holy Spirit lit up. Without the Holy Spirit, the events of the gospel can be so deep in the past as to become myth, covered with mold and cobwebs. But no. This is now reality in the Holy Spirit. And I ask you, the reason I've given these two weeks here is, is, is to drag us out of a mere student head, merely knowing, collecting knowledge, and now we know more than they do. No, no. Repent of your adult mind, which I think you've been through the process if you've been following me these two weeks. Realize the Holy Spirit has been given to you. Just let him be released into your life. Holy Spirit, 
come fill me open my eyes let there be your daily prayer sometimes many times in a day prayer I prayed it I think we've run out of human numbers the time I've prayed that prayer over the decades and I believe that the Holy Spirit will begin to open up to you this life of wonder until you will say mine eyes have seen your salvation huh. I found the meaning of life I found the purpose of life and my heart does rejoice and be glad amen I pray the Holy Spirit will do that in every one of our lives this day and now the blessing of God who is almighty love love of a wonder the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit his blessing rest upon you opening your eyes turning you from darkness into the glorious light of who Jesus is and what the gospel is that you may joy and rejoice and be glad all the days of your life so I bless you and declare that is the way it is Amen